Saturday, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the first all-star panel. I'm going to be doing these every other week, on usually on, on a Saturday. And we're going to have different themes. And today's theme is how to pick yourself back up once life knocks you down. Because life's going to knock you down. It's just a matter of when. And for most of us, you know, if you're pretty much over 20, you've dealt with some type of adversity in, in your life. And the biggest struggle is, is when, when we stay there. Like people who watch this show on a regular, you know, I constantly say there's problem, there's solution. And then all the drama happens when people hang out in the middle of it. So we, I brought on six of my past guests that all have amazing stories of hitting that, I don't want to say rock bottom, but just hitting that struggle. And then the steps that they took to pull out of it and then go on to have some amazing success. And so I'm not going to play my, my intro video today because you, you all, you know, probably sick of hearing it, but I'm not, I love it, but I'm not going to play it today. <laughs> so we are going to get started. So let's bring on the panelists because I don't want to waste any more time. So first off, we have Nate Dukes. We have Leonard McDonald. We have Dawn Witty. We have Kurt Powers. We have Michelle Cunningham and Sabrina Shaheen Cronin. Welcome, everyone. Just give us a nice, nice wave in the camera. <laughs> all right. So, all right. So, we're going to give each one of them about five minutes or so to tell their story. Then we're going to go into more of an open forum session. So, we're going to let Nate Dukes get things started. So, Nate, go ahead and unmute. Hey man, how you do? First of all, Robert, thank you so much for inviting all of us to do this. I'll tell you, um, I've been watching your show for a while. You know that I've become a fan of what you do, and then to be back, invited back in this group of phenomenal people, I've got to hear and connect with some of them. I'm really excited for today. So thank you so much for having me on. My pleasure. My um, pleasure. So just a little background about me. So in my early 20s, I was a wannabe entrepreneur that tried to start a marketing company that got into the bar and restaurant business. Um, but the one thing that people didn't know about me is that I had a secret drug addiction that was really starting to take over my life. And this wasn't one of those things that was, uh, it, it started out as a fun weekend experience. And then it turned into a full-blown um, life-changing drug addiction. And um, uh, the lowest point of my life was after I lost both of my businesses, I ruined most of my friendships. I had moved back in with my parents um, and I was walking around their apartment complex at three o'clock in the morning. I'd just taken a handful of pills and I was walking up to different vehicles to see if they were unlocked. And I ended up opening up the car door to a 1999 uh, Buick LeSabre and I uh, lifted up the center console. And as I pulled out the spare keys to that car. Apparently that's where you keep the spare keys to a 99 Buick LeSabre. Um, as I pulled out the spare keys, I thought to myself, maybe this is a chance to run away. Maybe this is a chance to get away because the life that I have now is not the one that I want. And I didn't wake up that morning thinking to myself, today's the day I'm going to steal a car. But when you find yourself in the wrong place with the wrong headspace, you never know what is possible. And so I ended up taking this car. I, I, I was going to try and drive it all the way to Texas from Ohio. I got caught halfway right in Tennessee. Um, uh, I was sleeping at a gas station. The cops woke me up. They put me in handcuffs, sat me in the back of the cop car. And I realized in that moment that the weight of every decision that I had ever made sat on my chest 
like a ton of bricks. And this, this thought kept replaying in my head. It was the same thing that my business partner told me. It was the same thing that people I had taken advantage of told me. But I found that the loudest voices are oftentimes the ones that are in our own head. And it kept saying, you'll never change. This is your life now. It's never going to be any different. And uh, they took me to Cheatham County Jail, where I spent six months of my life. Uh, the only opportunity we got to get out of our pod facility was once a month, they took us to something called church service. Now, I was not interested in going to church, but I was interested in getting out of that cell. And so we walked down this long cinder block hallway off to the left-hand side. There was uh, 16 chairs set up, and, and we, we all filed in. And this really, really old guy walked in with this really, really old guitar. And he started to tune it up. And uh, he looks at us and he says, fellas, the only difference between me and you is that I never got caught for the things that I've done. And he started playing the song Amazing Grace. And it goes, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. And it was this perfect moment where I, that, that weight started to lift off my chest. I finally felt like for the first time I wasn't worried about my past or, or the things that I had done wrong or my future when I was going to get out of there. And I just remember crying out saying, if it is possible to change, I want to because I don't want to continue to make the same decisions over and over and over again. When I got out of jail, I got really obsessed with how do you create sustainable change? I don't know if you've ever tried to get on a diet before or a weight loss program and you just don't stick with it. I've done it tons of times, but why are there some people who find a way to completely change their life? I don't think that they're smarter than us. I don't think that they're luckier than us. I think that there's something inside of that says, no, I am choosing, I'm making a decision that I'm not going to give up this time. And I found a John Maxwell book that said, if you want your world to change, You've got to be the one that changes first. And oh my God, that, that wrecked me. That wrecked me because finally I had to take some personal responsibility for my life. And, and now things look nothing like they used to. So fast forward several years, I'm in the process of making my comeback and I'm in this transition period and I've gotten married to the love of my life. We've bought investment properties. I've sat on the board of a nonprofit for underprivileged youth. Man, I lead hundreds of volunteers at my local church every single week. Um, but the thing that I'm very proud of the last 18 months, I've been working on a project to help other people who feel stuck, who feel like their life is too messy to change. And it's the book that I wrote. It came out in June. Um, it went to number one on Amazon for its category. Um, I've been on this podcast tour and, and listen, I don't, I don't say that to brag. I just say that I'm, I'm not interested in success anymore. I'm interested in creating an impact and helping other people. Yes. And so that's my story. That's a little bit of, of where I was and, and kind of where I'm at now. It's amazing. Amazing. Thank you for sharing that. All right. We're going to let Michelle go next because I know I know you got some children in the house. So we'll, we'll, we'll let you go next in case you have to step away for a moment. They're so cute. They just came in and shut the door because they knew. Mommy said four <laughs> kids, four kids, age six to 12 right now. And they are like, wow. I just set my timer too. So I don't go over. Nate. Oh, my gosh. I love your story. That's so cool. Um, OK, so my name is Michelle Cunningham. I, I grew up incredibly poor. My mom was a single mom and I grew up in Connecticut and we were the poor family in town. And so. Um, I just remember like my childhood, like I just wanted to be like everyone else. Like while other kids were like out there trying to be different because they had money and they could be different. I was just trying to fit in. Like I didn't want to have ripped cleats on the soccer field. I wanted to have Pantene shampoo, like the rich kids. <laughs> These were like my goals. And I wanted to afford the big rich people apples, you know, the ones that aren't in the bag. So uh, that's that's how I started. And that was from zero to 22. That's what my life looked like because I just was kind of the poor kid and uh, was kind of taught like, 
you have to have, and my mom still says it when I talk to her, well, honey, you have to have money to make money. I'm like, okay, mom, can we stop with this? You know, and I don't say, I just let her have that thought. But, but that was kind of the mindset that I grew up with was that you have to have money to make money. And so, uh, so I just, you know, I, I but I, I, it bothered me. I didn't want that to be my life. And I just remember when something would break in our house, we would have to go to the uh, church. Like if we didn't have enough money, we'd go to the church and get food for the week because we were out of money. And so, and I remember in those moments watching my mom cry, thinking like, huh, when you have money, you have choices. And like, this is not the choice my mom wants. Like, I want to have money when I'm older. Like, I did, that just became my thing. I wanted to have money because I knew money painted a different life for you. And so uh, I graduated college, paid my way through college, working 40 hours a week at Applebee's, and then graduated college and um, landed my dream job as a pharmaceutical sales rep. The only reason I wanted that job is my buddy said it was impossible to get and you could make a lot of money. <laughs> I'm like, all right. I'm like, watch me. I'm going to get this job, right? So I don't, I don't care about medicine. I don't, this stuff is so boring. It was not where I probably should have been. But anyway, I stayed there for three years and made some money. And uh, But I was bored. And it was six months into that job, bored out of my mind. Someone said, hey, my coworker, he said, because he knew I was like very entrepreneurial minded, right? I was always looking for the next thing. He goes, hey, my wife sells this makeup stuff alongside her other job. You should go to this like meeting with her at a hotel. So I go to this meeting and all I remember, I'm at this room. Everyone is super nice. There's a lady in the front of the room that makes six figures. Another one's a millionaire. Another one's driving a free car. I'm like, dude, this is either a fantastic opportunity or this is like totally a scam. So I go home and I explain it to my mom. She's like, oh yeah, definitely a scam. So I'm like, sweet. Okay, I'm not going to do that. And then a week later, I'm like, no, I'm not going to listen to my mom. I'm going to do this. And so I signed up and- and I was selling skincare and cosmetics, but this was in 2002, and I'm an introvert who always felt less than those around me, didn't think I could do anything. And the lady I joined with was like, honey, you're going to build your business by walking up to strangers in parking lots. I'm like, I'm going to do what? <laughs> That's horrifying. Who's doing this? I'm not doing that. So I didn't. I didn't do anything. For the next six years, I sat and looked at my inventory, $3,000 I had invested in, did nothing with that business. And at 29 years old, I was fed up enough with my current situation, fed up enough with my job. And I was like, dude, I need to make a change. I need to do this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this for six months. I'm going to treat it like a real job. And if after six months it doesn't work, then you know what? I gave it. I, I treated it like a real job. So I literally quit my job and I said, I'm going to do this. And uh, sure enough, six months later with a, a mentor that I had met just on Google, <laughs> she, was, she lived locally and she sold for the same company. Her name is Maggie, one of my dear friends today. She showed me the ropes and what she taught me changed my life forever. She showed me how I could be an introvert and still succeed, how I could send text messages and little jars around town, all these different ways of meeting people. And so I did it in an introverted way. And I remember because it took me six years to finally have success with that, I said, if I ever figure it out, I'm going to teach everybody what I did. And so two years later, I started a YouTube channel just sharing like, hey, I'm just like this poor girl from humble beginnings. Like I did this and this is what I said and this is how I did it. That YouTube channel then led to doors opening and opportunities. I just never thought like someone's like, you were just on the Today Show. I'm like, are you kidding me? The Today Show picked up my YouTube and put it on their show. A CEO of a company called me. He's like, can you come speak for our sales reps? I'm like, what? Like, what? So doors started to open. And I just tell people when you just decide to be louder, prouder, bolder and in charge, your life will change. And so um, I'm no longer building a network marketing business because my online brand ended up kind of uh, taking off. It, it just took off in such a way I never dreamed. And I believe that God had a plan that was so big. And so I've authored, uh, I wrote a book, like uh, last year I wrote a book, just like Nate, and uh, it, it hit Amazon bestseller too, which I was like, what? Couldn't even believe it. But um, so that's that's been my journey. And now I'm a, a course creator and I help others to sell their knowledge online and make a lot of money. So 
It's my story. Love it. I love it. Yeah. So when we circle back to everyone, like I'm taking notes as everyone's speaking, and I'm going to have specific questions for you guys as we move through everyone. But Leonard, you are up next with Sabrina to follow. You're muted. There we go. Right. There you go. <laughs> hey, everyone. This is Leonard McDonald, the Income Stream Savant. I was fortunate enough to meet Robert about a year ago, just over a year ago. And uh, it's been a wonderful relationship. Great guy. Um, really showed me that I had more stories than I thought uh, just in our first conversation. So it was really it was really nice talking to him. Um, the angle that I'm coming from, uh, just bear with me for a moment. This is actually my first time speaking about this online. Um, actually, probably this is the third time I'm actually speaking about this out loud, period. Um, but my best friend passed away from COVID. Um, it's a little over two months ago. And uh, it's it's hard because one of the things that we try to do is is throw ourselves into something else so that we don't think about it. Because uh, we spoke every day, even the morning, right when he passed away. You know, I, when I heard that he passed away, I was like, "That's crazy," um, because they were speaking at, of it as if they weren't sure and they were checking with me to find out. And so I was getting ready to call him to say, "Hey, you probably need to say something that's going on that you're recovering well because." There's rumors starting about you, but I didn't want to bother him with it or his wife. So I just kind of left it alone. And then she called me that night to let me know that he had passed away. And so when I went to throw myself into work, it didn't work because we were actually launching something that month um, together. And it really like he, he, he caught COVID like right at the end of July. And so I don't really have anything to throw myself into. I'm just kind of staying away from everybody. I'm, I'm shutting everyone out, you know, that's trying to reach out to me, uh, except one person, really, really, really close friend of mine. Um, and uh, they kind of got me through everything, just talking to me every day. Um, but now I have this, this thing that I have to deal with where now the business that we were supposed to start is at a halt because the piece that he had was one of the most integral pieces of it, you know, where I was helping authors with something. And it was something we were so excited about. And I had even brought on another person. So I'm paying someone that can't do what they're supposed to be doing because like it's all falling apart. And so now I have to make this pivot in the midst of all of this. And I bring this up because, you know, I didn't start out this story from where I began and, you know, my, my, uh, my travel agency and going through all these business courses and conferences and learning all these things because I want you to know that where I was and with all of this knowledge, it didn't matter because I was making mistake after mistake after mistake. And I couldn't understand why as I was going through it. I'm like, I know what to do. <laughs> I, I know what's supposed to be going on. And it was just my friend that just kept talking to me, you know, kept encouraging me and pointing out just the way that I'm norm that I normally approach things. And so, it just took time for me to get through the grief little by little, still dealing with it to this day. But because I kept taking action and I kept trying, I was able to finally break through. And then something where I normally take several months to discover and, and take my time focusing on, I was able to create in just a matter of a month and a half. And we have clients coming in and um, it's it's been really great moving forward. So I say that because even someone knowing what to do, <laughs> making mistakes along the way, and I know a lot of people are trying to figure out what to do and they're scared to move 
because they don't know what to do. But we all make mistakes. And it's those mistakes that really propel you to start doing things and recognize the, the shifts that you need to make so you can accomplish what you're trying to accomplish. Absolutely. Yeah. And his, his friend was actually a guest on the show as well. So when you told me about his passing, I did a, a quick tribute to him at the beginning of one of the shows. And my, my long intro saved me because it choked me up. Even though I spoke to him that one time, it was, it was very impactful. And just digging into his body of work and what he stood for and how community-centered he was, it was just such a shock that you know, the world lost such a great guy. You know, so my heart goes out to you. Thanks. No problem. And Sabrina, you are up next. Thank you so much, and Robert. Kirk's going to bring you home. Thank you so much for having me. And, and Leonard, I'm so sorry about your loss. And, um, you know, you're his legacy now. And his legacy will continue through you. And I think that's a very powerful, powerful thing. And um, for all those who spoke before me, Nate and Michelle, and uh, those after me, Kurt and Don, I know we all have such similar experiences in life, even, even though we have different, I guess I should say different experiences, they've sort of manifested in the same way. And I know Robert can attest to this. It's, it's, it's all in our, our growth, our evolution, and the choices that we make and getting clear on what we want. And I think finding clarity is the most important thing in everyone's lives. And, and it's so hard. It's such a simple thing, but it is so tough to know what you want and then every choice you make thereafter has to be designed to that end goal. And if something isn't in alignment with that goal that you set for yourself, then really you should ask yourself, should you be doing it or not? And that's a tough thing. Those boundaries are tough and that's the sustainability of it. And for me, you know, I grew up somewhat like Michelle, very introverted. I was raised in a very small town in Michigan called Saginaw, Michigan. And, uh, but my father was a, a very, um, he was self-made, you know, he worked very, very hard. He, uh, I'm an, I'm born of an immigrant father from Lebanon and, um, my mother, you know, they didn't, they had, he had nothing when he was a little kid, he was shining shoes at the age of seven. And so he was self-made. And so he was very, very old school. And, you know, I've had, I've lived with generational, you know, they, they call it that, you know, that abuse, that, that, that uh, suppression and oppression of women. And I had two brothers. And so it was really hard feeling my worth and my value. And the choices that I made in my life were obviously, you know, now I look back and I think, wow, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out why I made certain choices. Right. But as we get older, when we take off that victim mentality and we start taking responsibility, like Nate said, that personal responsibility, it it really makes you realize that, you know, like Neville Goddard said, our outside world is just our inside world pushed out. And, you know, as Joe Dispenza talks about, you know, our personal reality will change once we make the decision to change our personality. And it is tough. I mean, it is it is like overcoming that addiction. And you have to work on it every single day because some people are so addicted to their stories of being a victim or being whatever that they they can't even get outside of themselves. So it takes that mindset. And it's not easy. If it were this easy to make the choice and everybody changes, then most psychologists and therapists would be out of business overnight, right? It's hard. It's not an easy thing. But 
the more we grow and, and, you know, some people aren't up for the task because some people are very set in their ways and complacent and they don't care. And, you know, this time around in this lifetime, that's, that's where they are. And we can't fault people for where they are. We just have to maybe surround ourselves with more like-minded people and realize that it's okay where we are and it's great where they are, but we don't have to force people to be like us and they shouldn't force us to be like them. We make choices. We decide who we want in our lives. And again, that's a tough thing too, because sometimes, you know, I know Kurt will talk about this with relationships and loving others. You have to love yourself first. And once you love yourself first, then your life can unfold beautifully. And, but it's, again, it's not easy. And I love empowering others. I'm an attorney now. I was a musician growing up and and that was another story in and of itself. But, uh, you know, like the piano was my best friend because I was such an introvert. But when I got on stage, I was free to be whoever I wanted. And, you know, it's it's just life. The more you can blend all sides of your personality and really be authentic and organic, you know, that that stage persona I had is really more me now. And now I'm able to empower others with my voice. And it's funny how, you know, when you're when when your dreams and certain things that you want in your life go unfulfilled and some of your dreams are unanswered and some of your prayers are unanswered, but it's like it's God's way or the universe's way of paving your destiny for you. And sometimes we just keep, you know, going, going, going. And it's that perseverance and the tenacity that I think we all need to have if, if you want that end goal in life. So I, I encourage everybody to hang in there and stay strong and tough and, we're all we're all here for everybody. So yes. we love you, and I'm just so glad to be here. So thank you, Robert. It's <laughs> oh, awesome. Thank you, Sabrina. All right, and I like Kurt. You are next. Dawn's next. Dawn's next. Yes. Okay. Ah, <laughs> oh, you lied to both of us. <laughs> yes. Oops. <laughs> uh, my name is Broadway, Robert. First of all, thank you so much for having me here. It is so inspirational to listen to all of your stories. Our stories are what what makes us us. Um, I started the Desire to Inspire Foundation about five years ago. Um, the premise was to help share amazing inspirational stories, people like you, regular people doing amazing things in the world. And um, I know people that are rescuing animals and people that are doing all kinds of amazing things. And when you turn on the news, you see death and destruction and fire and just like awful things constantly. And I just thought, I know these things exist. But there's also so much wonderfulness. And I wanted to bring the stories of wonderful people doing wonderful things to share. Um, and then I went to Africa for the first time. And I just thought, wow, you know, talk about inspiration. You've got people that don't know where their next meal is coming from, but they'll take in, you know, 56 children in one place that we work, 31 children in another place, and they're struggling for themselves, yet they still will bring in these children. They don't have clean water. You know, they, they again, struggling for food, don't know how they're going to educate all these children, feed all these children, clothe all these children, yet they take them in anyway. And I thought, you know, if ever there was inspiration that I've seen in my life, this is what that looks like, is genuinely just 
based out of love and kindness. So I wanted to share those stories with the world while also helping these children and these people do this amazing, this is God's work that they're doing. So um, I've been doing that for the last four years and four and a half years now. And I'll tell you, uh, my life is more fulfilled. My life is more rich. And I feel like any challenge or any situation that comes into my life these days, I'm like, you know what? I can deal with this as opposed to being all stressed out and like, oh, I can't believe this is happening to me. It has changed my perspective on everything. I think it's made me a nicer person because I always remember like who I want to be in the world. And they've showed me that so very clearly. So thank you for allowing me to be part of this. I just want to help uplift anybody I come in contact with, but especially the children because, you know, they're gifts. So uh, thank you for having me. And I can't wait to get into this discussion. Awesome. Thank you, Don. All right, Kurt, bring home right. round one. <laughs> Robert, thanks for having me on. I just, before I get started, I want to show everybody, if this was Hollywood Squares, I would be Paul in, just so you know. <laughs> Hollywood Squares. <laughs> uh, appropriately, I would be Paul in. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> it's funny because with Sabrina, when Sabrina you know, talked about our stories connecting, it's like she's absolutely right. I, I, when Michelle was speaking, I was like, I was born, or I was, I, I was lived in poverty. When Nate said I had a secret, I had a huge secret. Leonard talks about someone who's very near and dear to his life, uh, who passed away. I had someone who passed away like that. Don, uh, who is who, um, is, who started this foundation, uh, desired to inspire for you know because she went over to Africa. Mine was rhinos that I, that I love over in Africa, and so I've started. So I'm starting a foundation to help save rhinos. And Sabrina, I mean, just all of our stories together. If you know, this is the thing: is like when Sabrina was saying about learning to love yourself. That that's where it starts. And one of the things about learning to love yourself is by who you surround yourself with and getting rid of toxic people. I could not ask to be with a better group of people this morning than I could with you guys. I mean, honestly, I, I was thinking about this when I was getting ready today. I was thinking each and every one of these people here who's on the show today are here out of the kindness of their heart because they love helping people. It's not like anyone's making money or anything, but they, that's, not the, that's not what they're driven by. They're driven by helping others. And, and I, you can't ask to be around anyone better than that. So I'm very proud to be part of this. So thank you. Um, so as I said, like Michelle, I, you know, I was, uh, I lived in poverty so much so that we actually lived in the projects. And I remember when I opened the door to the, to the, to the project that I was going to live in and I was a kid. And I remember for the first time in my life, my, my heart actually sunk into this pit of my stomach because I could not believe we were going to live here. And that, you know, and I had a mother though who I loved dearly because she was everything to me, who told me it didn't matter who you were or where you came from, you could be whatever you wanted to be. And I and I wanted to buy into that. But I had a father, on the other hand, who, like Michelle's mother, you know, you always heard the negative money things like, oh, what do you think? Money grows on trees, you <laughs> know, things like that. And I was like, okay. And you know, and then and then would actually make try to make me feel bad because. I did want better, like Michelle. I wanted better for myself. And he's like, "Are you? You think you're too good for this?" And I was thinking to myself, at 12 years old, "Yes, I am too good for this." And of course, I didn't say that, but I knew that I that I wanted better, and I could have better if I if I you know applied myself. The thing was, is that 
like Nate, I had a secret. Now, you've probably heard this story many times over in the past 20 years, but back then, this was not a story that was common. And the thing was, is that I kept everyone at arm's length and for, for good reason, because I didn't want them to get to know who I truly was. So I put this front on. I was very, very outgoing. I was more, I was an extrovert because of that. Um, you know, I, I ended up doing all the tough guy things, you know, wrestling, football, all that stuff. I, I excelled at those things. And the reason I excelled at them was because of who I was. And that was I was a gay man who was who was in hiding and in the closet for for 40 years. And I felt like I heard all the negative things that were said about gay people growing up by my family, by my friends, my, you know, my father, my brothers, you know. And I remember thinking no one's ever going to say that about me because if they do, there's going to be repercussions for it. You know, not that I ever planned on anybody ever finding out. And, and they didn't. Um, but when my mother was killed in a car accident, my life was turned upside down because she was the one thing that, that I could depend on all the time to, to give me the support, to give me the drive, to do the things I needed to do. Um, and so my life was, you know, we talk about getting knocked down in life. Sometimes we have to realize we're the ones knocking ourselves down. <laughs> it's not so much life. It's like we're just doing this to ourselves and, and we're falling on the ground and we have to get ourselves back up. And I did a lot of that for a long time. Um, it wasn't until I came to understand that all my relationships I had with other people were identical to the relationship I was having with myself at that time. And so like a light finally went off because, you know, you have mentors throughout your life that tell you things and you don't, you, and I, I was one of these people who go, Oh, you just don't understand. <laughs> so I was like, nobody could possibly understand because nobody's gone through what I've gone through. And, and that's, and then, and what Sabrina was talking about, these people who, who buy into their story and being a victim, that's what I did. And I realized I didn't want to be a victim anymore. And so that's when I, I changed my mindset. I changed the way I look at life and I took responsibility for myself. All the other things didn't matter. It's what was I going to do from that point on. So, um, and so I, and so my goal is to help people with relationships because I've, you know, I've been doing personal training most of my adult life and everybody comes into me. They're trying to, they're, what they're trying to do is to feel better and more confident about themselves. And while, lifting weights and building muscle will do that. If you don't take care of what's on the inside, it's just a facade. And you can tell the difference from those people who've changed the inside with the outside and those who haven't. So, but thank you so much for, for, uh, for having me on here. I'm, I'm truly uh, uh, grateful for being part of this group. My pleasure. Thank you all for sharing. And just like, as I'm listening to each one of you, it brought me back to your individual episodes and just the, just the great conversations that I've had with all of you. So, like, I'm, I'm going to go through and kind of summarize and then what we're going to go through and I'm going to have specific questions for you. So, Nate started us off. He was hiding in addiction. He lost his businesses, ended up seeing the inside of a jail cell for car theft. And at one point, he knew he had to make a change. You know, Michelle grew up poor. And she said she didn't want that to be her life, right? She didn't want that to be her life. She didn't want her kids going through what she went through. 
You know, Leonard says even people who know what to do still make mistakes. And you have to keep moving forward, keep moving forward, keep moving forward. Dawn said, yes, you know, the media shows you all kinds of negativity, but there's a lot of good in the world. And she wants to put those good stories out into the world. And so, Sabrina, you actually, you unpacked a lot in yours. I have, <laughs> your box is all full over here. <laughs> but uh, the one of the biggest ones that you said was, it was hard for you to feel your worth and your value. And you want to now empower others with your voice. And then, you know, Kurt just brought it home. But the biggest thing, and this is why I wanted you, you to go last, was fear of showing the world who you really are. And I really think that's one thing that so many people struggle with. You know, just like Michelle saying, oh, I'm an introvert. How am I going to do this? You know, it's like being afraid to take that step and then to do to doing what you want to do. So most everyone knows my, my story. I mean, I have many to tell, but I'm going to focus in on this one. It was when I hurt my knee. So I had was overweight one time in my life. I knocked off 45 pounds and I was like, you know what? I, I need to get back to my athletic roots because what fuels my soul is competition. It doesn't matter what the competition is. I'm in it to win it. I don't play for fun. <laughs> That's just how it is. At the end of the competition, I'll talk about how, how fun it was. But in, I'm out for blood. And that's just how I'm wired. And so I, I started training again. I, I got myself back into pretty solid shape. I was at 30, 34 years old. I was the strongest I had been. I, was the, the, I can't say it was the leanest. I was really skinny growing up. But in my adult life, it was the leanest I had been. And I was able to get back on the track and compete in track and field. So now this was before I got into fitness and really knew the science of training. I was just, you know, a gifted athlete that worked hard, but I didn't really know how to train. So I had a leg extension machine in my house and I used to do it every single day, every single day. But I wasn't working the corresponding muscles around it. So I get back out on the track and I'm doing the high jump. That, that was my thing. And so I go, I jump, I jump, I jump. And I have my age bracket one. It was 30 to 34 age bracket. But there was still a 45-year-old competing. And his old ass wasn't beating me. So I get out there. I said, I'm going to keep jumping. And so I jump, and I felt a tug in my left knee. And I was like, all right. So I had injured it 18 years prior. No, um, however many years prior. And so it always had tendonitis flare-ups. So I didn't really think too much of it. So I went to, over to my ex, and I was like, give me the tape. I said, I'm going to take one more jump. So I think he's spent. So if I, if I nail this next jump, then I'll take first overall. And this is where, you know, the, the Eagles kind of like, you know, got me in trouble. So the other guy goes, he jumps, he misses. I said, all right, time to wrap this up. And, and I step out there. And the, the scene couldn't have been more, more perfect. I had a crowd of people around me. I am an extrovert. I do well with, within the crowd. It's just, just how it is. And so the sun was perfect. There was no wind. And people are clapping. Like, yeah. And so I'm running down to take my jump. I plant. I see white. I'm on the ground. And my kneecap is this far up my leg. Mm. Yeah. And so I was like, uh, maybe I shouldn't have taken that last jump. <laughs> and so... I, I yelled for my for my now ex to call, call an ambulance because I knew that wasn't good. And the athletic trainer comes over. Now, now I must have, like, severed a nerve or something because I, I didn't feel it. Like, I felt the, the release, but there was no pain. And so I had my hand kind of over my knee like this. So the athletic trainer comes run, running over, 
And I told her that an ambulance is on the way. She's like, I don't think you're going to need an ambulance. And then I moved my hand and she's like, oh my Lord. <laughs> and I said, um, important question though, when do I get my medals? <laughs> because <laughs> like at that moment, I mean, I, I can't walk. The ambulance isn't here yet. I'm not in pain. So where's my reward? <laughs> so, so in which way? So now we get to the ER and this is where everything changed. But I just had to set, to set the stage so you can really feel the magnitude of what was said to me. And so the ER doctor comes in. He removes the brace. And within half a second, he's like, ooh, you're never going to run or jump again. Now, I had twin boys who were four. I had a two-year-old. I don't remember how old the other two were. And I had my two older kids. And I'm like, and you're t- and I just decided I wasn't going to manage restaurants anymore. And I was going to pursue fitness full time. And now you tell me I'm not going to be able to run with, with my twins. I'm not going to be able to play basketball with my oldest son. I'm not going to be able to run run the track with my daughter. And like, I'm not going to be, be, be able to like go, go hiking. And I'm like, like you've got to be kidding me. And I locked eyes with my ex. You know, her eyes are filled up. I start crying. And then it hit me. Wait a second. He might be a doctor, but he's not qualified to tell me what I can come back from. Right? Because, like, how many people are told that they have X amount of time to live and then 10 years later they're still here? So it's like, all right, so this right now is a setback. Damn it, get ready for the comeback. And I went to work. I went to work. I coined the hashtag ignore the never. And we're not talking about the negative nevers, like when people try to clip clip your wings and tell you you, you can't do stuff. We're gonna, we're gonna ignore that one. And I went to work. I went to work. And not only did I run again, I've gotten back on the track. And even at 47 year, years old, I, I haven't lost in the high jump since I got back on the track. Granted, it took me seven years to, to get the courage to get back out there because that was a bad injury. But I was like, you know, I want to get out there. So many people tried to talk me out of getting out there. And they're like, well, what if you do it again? I'm like, what if I don't? I said, well, we're never going to know unless I try. Like, I have to get out there. And then I said, you know, people who know me know my motto is there's a fine line between badass and dumbass, right? So there's a very, very fine line. And said, but the only way to know which one it is is you have to attack the task. I said, so I need to step onto that track. And I need to just give it everything I have. So even if I just clear opening height, it's a score. That completes the comeback. Like, that injury did not derail me. That doctor wasn't able to clip my wings. But this moment has to happen in order for it to all come full circle. Right? So we're going to go back to back to Nate. So like you, like you were saying, you were in that jail cell. You said I had to change. All of us nodded when you said that. But now talk about that change. What steps did you take to get yourself out of the depths of hell? Yeah, so the first thing that I teach people when they're ready to start to make some significant changes in their life is the first thing is is that I really try to encourage them and build them up and let them know that I believe everything that they need to change is already inside of them. Here's the problem. It doesn't matter what I think about you. It matters what you think about you. And so we really have to start to begin to shift this mindset from I'm never going to change to now I actually have the personal responsibility to create the change in my life that is necessary for the life that I want. And so we really start to focus on mindset, 
changing what we think about ourselves, how we view ourselves. Here's the truth is that my life was a reflection of every single decision that I made. And I hated myself for making those decisions. But it wasn't until I began to actually repair the relationship with me that my life started to change. So I, I looked at past Nate and I actually said, after everything you've done, after all the pain you've caused us, after all the people that you've hurt, I love you and I forgive you. And that began a healing process with me. And out of that relationship, I began to ma- manifest and create a different life. So the first step that I want to encourage with somebody that's trying to make significant change, first of all, you have to have a deep belief that change is possible and that you're the one that is responsible for creating it. Love it. Absolutely love it. Michelle. So same, same, for, same for you. So you, you get a taste of this network marketing life. You're an introvert, but you know, if you can get past that, there are great things on the other side. So how did you take those next steps? Yeah, it's a good question. I think that Every day, I just had this desire, and I still do, to put my head on my pillow at night and say, did I give it as much as I could have possibly given in this day, right? To have that satisfaction of the job well done. And so I think when you operate your life like that, whether it be in business or in sports or just in relationships, everything will change for you. And so that that's really what catapulted my business. It was like, did you make enough calls today? Did you text enough people? Like, that was the, you know, to, to succeed in network marketing, it's just like, how many people can you reach out to every day? It's a people business, but it's a numbers game, right? Yeah. So I was like, okay, I know I'm an introvert, but I can just send a lot of texts. I can do that because that's quiet, <laughs> right? So I just found my little space and I just did that repeatedly, which, you know, I started to realize, wait, 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 if I succeed here, okay, then I could maybe help some other people. And then when I started my YouTube channel, I was like, well, I can't even believe the people like, I couldn't believe people liked me, first of all. I was like, oh my gosh, they like actually like my channel and like they think I'm helpful. Okay, all right, maybe I'll make another video. And so, you know, I think sometimes people think that in order to get started online or put themselves out there, they have to have it all figured out. I don't. I am a throw spaghetti on a wall kind of chick. Like I put it out there and then I watch the comments. I'm like, oh, you thought that was helpful. Okay, maybe I'll make another video like that. Or they'll say like, they'll make a comment. And so then, I, oh, you want training on that? Okay, I'll make that video. And so- I've never had it all figured out, but what the cool thing about social media is that they will figure it out for you. The path, like God puts the path and you're like, whoa, awesome. Right. And, and I just, I love Don's message about helping people. You know, I, I, there, there comes a point where you make a certain amount of money and you're like, you know, I don't know if I should make more, right. Growing up poor, but when we have more, we can give more. And I just love Don's message and I've been able to help so many people. And it just, it's what gets me up and gets me working every day is this idea that we can change the world by showing up louder, prouder, bolder, and in charge. So, um, so that's what I would say. See, and in and, and your case, too, with what you're doing, you're helping people to not feel what you felt growing up. Yeah. You know, so like that's that, that deeper meaning behind that. And like what Nate was saying with personal responsibility, that's one, one of the biggest things, especially in fitness. Like people come to me with all of the, the excuses on earth why they can't get into shape. And, and I'm like, it's, you're in your own way. You know, they're like, oh, well, Rob, I had a, I had a couple Christmas parties over the weekend. I said, okay, you chose to eat crap. Like, it, like the party isn't the problem. It was your personal decisions that was the problem. It's like, once you stop doing that, like, once you want your fitness goals more than you want that junk food, you're going to stay the same. 
is, is the same thing in, in business. Like it's like like Michelle was saying, all right, I have to figure out how to do this as an introvert. It's like, oh, I can sell text. I, I can send text. Absolutely. But someone like like me, I could never do an audio podcast. I, that just doesn't work for me. I have to have the people in front of me. Like I don't even talk on the phone anymore. I'm like, hey, let, let, let's zoom. So now that we're in this Jetsons world, I want to use it because because that because that plays to my strengths. Like I can feed off of the other person when I can see them, you know, and that works for for me. And so with with Leonard, what what I wrote down as you were talking was, and, and I'm not saying you, just this is the message I was getting from you was to stop chasing perfect. I remember this time. <laughs> um. It's it's interesting when you look at perf- perfection. You know, it, it doesn't exist. You know, um, and at the same time, one of the things that I prescribe to when I say is that fear doesn't exist. Um, and so, whenever you're dealing with something, you want to chase perfection, but you fear that you won't reach perfection. So you decide, let me not do anything. And it's all about the way you look at it. Whereas for me, when, whenever there's something that I feel af- afraid about. Like I get excited because if there's no fear, it's impossible to be courageous. Like you have to face fear in order to be courageous. So I look at it as, okay, cool. This is an opportunity for me to be courageous. And that's like step one for me. And then um, there's a guy named Max Landis. He's a screenwriter. Um, And he's, or actually his father asked him this question. And it's always stuck with me. Anytime fear is anywhere in the area, which is his father asked him, how do you kill a vampire? And so he named off the reasons uh, or the ways. And then his father said, no, they're all wrong. You kill a vampire any way you want because they don't exist. And it's like, wait a second. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> exactly. And, 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 and just the way my mind works, like I, I, I start diving into things that interest me. And so I'm like, okay, wait. So this thing that was created, which is what happens with our fears, you know, we create the things that can overcome them, but we also create the things that they're invincible against. So when we make up a fear, just like the character is made up and the weaknesses and strengths are made up, like we have the power to handle it any way we want to, (laughs) to defeat it any way we want to. And so it's just recognizing that the thing that we're afraid of is never in the present. It's, It's either something we're scared may happen or we're, you know, it's something in the future that we're future pacing about, but it, it never exists in the present because we're dealing with it at that moment. So it's no longer a fear. And so for me, it's, it's just my approach to things. It's just recognizing things for what they are, recognizing, like holding myself accountable to how I'm perceiving it. And then what am I going to do to face it? You know? And that's, that's, that's just, just my approach personally. <laughs> uh, I, I agree with you. Like, do, like people always tell, tell me that, that I'm, I'm fearless. It's like it's not. It's not that I'm fearless. Like just like you said, fe- fear exists. I don't fear consequences. You know. So like if I, because I'm I'm a daredevil. So if I'm like, hmm, I wonder if I could jump from he- here to there. And people are like, don't do it. Like that just makes me want to want to do it more. And so it's like I think I think I can. And then I just go. And then if I get hurt, I'll heal from it. But I don't worry about it because if I make it, it's freaking awesome. <laughs> you know. Yeah. You know? So, so it's like so, sometimes you you have to face that. And then. It's just like people who are in a job that, that they can't stand, and but they're afraid to leave the comfort of the pay that the job provides or possibly the benefits and, and whatever else. 
but they know that inside they don't belong there. It's the same scenario. If I just stand there wondering, can I do that? I'll never know. So if you're wondering, like, if I leave this job, oh, well, what if I lose everything? Like, I have to pay for the kids and the houses and everything else. But, like, if you make the leap, everything that you've ever dreamed is on the other side of the leap. Exactly. You know, so, so getting people to understand that, that's the hard part. So with that, we're going to go back to Sabrina. But you were talking about clarity and how to feel, feel your value. But the one thing you said that stood out that I'd like you to expand on is that it's simple but tough. Oh, <laughs> For sure, because it's the fear that it is is such a limiting belief within us and to overcome that fear, just like you said, leaving a job, leaving leaving an abusive relationship. You know how hard it is for people to leave. And then you have other people that are like, well, just leave. Why are you in this? Or what are you doing? They have no idea how beaten down someone can be or their psyche or their lack of self-worth or their lack of self-love. It, it, it's all within us. And so if you don't have that, Robert, there's no way you can have the courage to jump over that building and land on the other side. There's no way you can open up the door and walk out the door to, you know, of an abusive relationship or to take that risk and become self-employed and leave the oppressive job that you hate so much without that belief in yourself you cannot move forward and if you try to move forward well then the fear of failure will will get you every time so it, it starts within and and i highly recommend that you start looking at it differently and like nate said you have to just start loving yourself and forgiving that person whether it's your inner child or whatever's you know whatever part of yourself that you cannot let go of that you're so ashamed of or you, you just can't forgive you do you have to let it go there's that Hawaiian prayer you know the you know I'm sorry I love you please forgive me thank you you know the honopono I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right but it's so true but you have to do it within yourself and there's so many you know people and out there that talk about self-love and the empowerment of it but it starts within ourselves and how we look at something, our perception and the chasing of the, you know, we were all, everyone before us, we're, we're talking about perfection. Well, perfection is so subjective, but perfection stymies us too. So what I might think is perfect, you might think is not, or, you know, it's, it's all subjective. So it's, it's just, an, it's an evolution. It's an involvement and you have to, you, you have to really just let go and start little by little loving yourself and seeing what it is that makes you tick, what it is that gives you that nourishment. You know, is it, is it just, you know, believing in yourself, you know, taking a class, learning how to forgive, and everybody has their own way of doing it, whether it's daily meditation, yoga, prayer, walking, journaling, but it's the little by little by little, the step by step. And, and I agree with all of those who said it's, it's who you surround yourself with, you know, becoming unafraid, unabashedly afraid of being your true authentic self. But the only way to do that is to truly love yourself. And, and there, someone had once said, you know, what would you do if you didn't care 
about someone else's reaction to whatever it was you were doing, whether it was dating whoever you wanted to date, leaving a relationship, leaving a job, you know, becoming friends with someone. What would you do if you didn't care? So would you do it? Would you not do it? Everyone is so motivated by other people's reaction to what it is we're doing. So it's, it's taking that hard look at ourselves and doing that every day. If you find your own, you know, your own um, rituals that make you tick, you really have to stick to them, whether it's the, you know, and everyone encourages the morning because morning times are such a great time. You're coming out of that subconscious state. You know, you should start writing what a journal, even stream of consciousness writing and, and learning how to forgive yourself and then writing how you see yourself, but in the present tense. I am worthy. I am valued. I am loved. I love myself. I am, whether like Michelle, I want to be a multimillionaire. I am a multimillionaire. It's the old, you know, Yahweh. I am, I am, I am. The more you self-proclaim you are, well, then you will be. You are, your future self will be now. So make the choice, make the decisions every single day and stick to it. And that's your new reality. You just gave me goosebumps. <laughs> Started preaching right there. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> well done. All right, Dawn. All right, enough with the negativity. Let's see some good in the world. So how how did you, you get on that path? You know, I, I love this topic because for a long time, I was a stay-at-home mom raising my daughters for a long time. I lived in a community of people that were like in the entertainment, successful in the entertainment industry, in the medical industry, lawyers. They went to Harvard. They went to Stanford. And, you know, here I am, the young mom. I didn't finish college. I was looking at everybody thinking like, you know, I'm just a mom. And I didn't think that I had much to offered the world. And when my daughters were in college, I had to look at my life and say, okay, well, you know, no more packing lunches because, you know, you shouldn't be doing that for your college kids. <laughs> um, you know, no more carpool, no more of the things that I had spent my entire life, you know, doing up to that point. And so I really felt like I had no value or anything to give to the world. And so I went on a journey of self-discovery, trying to figure out like, what am I good at? Like, what am I here to do? What is my purpose? And, um, you know, started Desire to Inspire. I started writing some books and um, I was going to courses, take, you know, seminars, workshops, taking courses, you know, doing all these kind of things, trying to figure out like, why am I here? Like, what is my next step in the world? And um, when I went to Africa, I felt like, oh, that was the scary thing. I had no idea what was on the other side of that. I was just like, there's this calling in my soul. I can't quite articulate it to people, but I felt it and I wanted to do it, not knowing what was going to happen on the other side of it. Just like that magical jump you're talking about, Robert, you know, saying like, I'm going to do this, not knowing what to expect. And ever since I did that, the connections, the resources, the information, like all kinds of things have come into my life that I would have never even imagined asking for or trying to manifest or, you know, because I didn't know this existed. I was like, I, I don't know the how, but I know the why and the why is calling and I'm going to follow the why. And then the path starts appearing. And I know it's the scariest thing to say, I don't even know how you get from this point A to point B. But I promise you, when you make that step and you know why you're doing it, and it can't just be for money, it can't just be for, you know, my reputation, it has to be, there has to be some good in it for the world. 
um, you know, the world will provide you with things that you didn't even think possible. So, you know, and then you find your 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 value and your self-worth and you start thinking, you know what, this is nobody's journey but mine. You know, and once you get into that mindset and you realize this is my journey, nobody, they can think I'm crazy. I'm used to it by now. You know, get over that because your life isn't supposed to look like anybody else's. It's yours. Yes. Love that. And like when people ask me about about this podcast, I tell them like I, I bought all the equipment and did nothing with it. It just it just sat here and I just kept using the I'm busy at the gym as an excuse. So. You know, we, we get bit with that, with the excuse bug bug as well. And just to like what you just said, Dawn, about the journey of self-discovery. It's like, I love being in the gym. I love helping my clients reach their goals and pushing them and doing obstacle races with them. I absolutely love all of that. But I was born to be on camera. Ever since a little boy, I wanted to be on camera. Like, that's just where I belong. And like every platform that I speak on, everyone's like, why don't you have your own talk show? And why don't you this? Why don't you that? And I was like, well, A, I'll, I'll answer that question because when, when you have a talk show, the studio owns you. And I don't want to be owned. So at least this is my platform. Like I, I decide who I interact with. But in any which way, like that's, I knew that's where, where I belong. I didn't know how to do it. Like, do I have to like go take broadcasting classes or something? I said, do I have to become this master editor and just started thinking of all of these reasons to not move forward. And then COVID came and said, get out of the gym, get in front of the camera and start this podcast. So it's like, the, well, actually I pulled out of the gym 10 days before we were mandated to close. Cause I, I knew it was coming. And so I like, I have all the equipment, just start talking, like just start. And so like, whenever people come to me with an idea, I want to write a book. Okay. Start writing. <laughs> like where, worry about the other, other logistics after just start writing, figure out what you want your chapters to be, get it started. You want to start, start a podcast. What camera do I need? What microphone, take your phone, go live and talk, just get the process started. And then once you get the process started, just like, um, just like don't, don't just things start appearing that you never knew were there because you weren't looking for it because you weren't looking for it. Why? Cause you, you didn't start yet. Once you start, then you start saying, oh, I can get this. Oh, I can get this. Like, this is my fourth microphone. And I have to keep it off camera because it's so powerful. <laughs> when, I, when I have it up here, it's, I watch the video. It's like I'm screaming at people. So that's why I have it kind of off to the side. But, yeah, it, like, I didn't know about any of that stuff. And I was like, but you, you know what I am good at? I'm good at speaking and connecting with people. So let's just start there. And then I'll learn, like, how, how do I get guests? I don't know how to get guests. I'm booking into April of 2022 on three shows. <laughs> and I started with just one and not knowing how I was going to get guests. Things just opened up. Programs appeared. I just connected with people. And now I'm booking all the way through. People are asking me for, for side times because they don't want to wait till April to get on. You know, but it, and how did all that happen? Just because I started. I didn't have any unique talent. I didn't learn any new skill. I just got started and doors opened. So I just wanted to share that just, just to double down on Dawn's point. Kurt. Yes. <laughs> All right. So you had the fear of coming out. How did you face it? What's that? I mean, we've spent a lot of time together, so I know all this, but enlighten everyone else. Like, like, like how, what was it like getting the courage to make that step? Well, it's, it wasn't necessarily courage. It was, uh, I was 
you know, I, as I wrote about it, I said, you know, that a lot of times people become exposed and, uh, and uh, out it. And that's what happened to me. It wasn't voluntary because as I said, as far as I was concerned, the world would never know. And I was willing to live a life that wouldn't have brought me happiness, complete happiness, because I felt that's what I needed to do for everyone around me. And one of the things that most people don't understand who are in the closet is that there's this weight of the world on your shoulders that you're afraid that everyone you know is going to become disappointed. You're going to let them down. They're not going to love you and they're going to leave you. And what I discovered when this all happened was all that weight was self-imposed. The world didn't fall apart. It didn't stop turning just because I was. it was discovered that I was gay. Um, I, I'm not going to go into the details about, you know, what that was like, because there's a lot of people who get hurt in that process, and I would never recommend it. I knew one gentleman who was, and he was 65 years old. He refused to come out because his mother was still alive. She was 80-something, and uh, he died before she did, and he never got to be himself. He never got to be happy and live his life the way he should have been able to live it because of the shame that he had. What my what my story is for people is this. Much like Nate said, you know, you have to you have to be able to forgive yourself. But before you can love yourself, before you can forgive yourself, you have to be honest with yourself. And this is the problem that most people have. Most people have a problem with being honest with themselves, and because of that, they're not being able to be honest with anyone else. And so, since I couldn't be honest with who I was. I couldn't share that with the rest of the world. I couldn't be honest with anyone else. And so I, because of that, I wasn't able to forgive myself. I wasn't able to love myself. I wasn't able to be who I should have been. And again, a lot of people got hurt in the process because of that. So the first thing I tell people to do is take stock of yourself. Take stock of the things that you do love about yourselves, the things that you like about yourselves, the things that you hate about yourselves, and the things you dislike and then decide which ones you want to get rid of, which ones you want to build on, and become the person. Don't find yourself. Create yourself. Become the person that you want to become. That's what I've done. I've become the person that I'm. That I can look in the mirror now. There was a time when I could not, and uh, and I don't know if you want me to tell that story because it's kind. It's um, it's a little uh, a little deep, but uh, about the woman and the child. Um, but that was the turning point for me to look in the mirror and go, I am not a good person. And I didn't like the person I was. And I had a choice right then to go, do I want to continue being this person? And I don't even know how I got here, but do I want to continue being that person? Or do I want to be the person I know I should be? And it was at that point in time that I made a choice to be the person I wanted to be, the person that I know my mother would have been proud of. And so um, because of that, you know, I want to... Um, I wanted I wanted to talk on on just a little bit of every what everyone said what what uh, Michelle said what about you know you don't have to know everything you don't you podcasting is a prime example I was like you Robert I didn't know I was like I'm just gonna follow what Joe Rogan did uh, and that's what I'm gonna do <laughs> and one day hopefully I'll become as successful as him so you know and and I'm working towards that but I you know you 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 know. You don't. You start questioning yourself. Am I pretty enough? Am I smart enough? Do I, do I speak well I enough? I never question that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
I like to say that I'm ruggedly handsome. So, <laughs> and and to Leonard's point about you know it, you don't have to be perfect, and and what Sabrina was saying, perfection it will it will it, it it's subjective, you know, and and perfection just paralyzes people from ever doing anything. But if you're not honest with yourself, then you can't decide. You can't say ask who am I, and you can't say I am because you don't know those answers because you're being you're lying to yourself. I see this, and I hope I don't offend anybody, but the the body positivity movement. You're not going to convince me that you love yourself, and, and continue doing things that are harmful to yourself because you wouldn't do that to people you truly loved. I think you should love yourself for who you are no matter where you're at in life. But if you're not on the road to, to bettering yourself, then you don't love yourself. Because I assure you, if that was somebody that was next to you that you loved, you would be helping them every step of the way to become better and to help them to become healthier. And um, and so your actions will tell you where you're truly at if you don't know. Very true. Well done. All right, so we're a little bit over an hour. If anyone needs a hard out, just let me know, and you can exit. We're just gonna go through one more time and have, have you all give your final your final word. Like, if you got someone that's stuck in a rut somewhere, what would your words of advice for this person to be? Nate, set it off. Yeah, I want to speak specifically to anybody who feels like their life is too messy to change like they've made too many mistakes, um, like maybe they know that there's something more inside of them, but they don't necessarily know how to pull it out. Um, two sentences. Number one, who you were is not who you are. And just because you've made some mistakes, it doesn't mean that you are a mistake. And you have the ability right now today to start to make some new decisions to create a new life for yourself. Okay, well done. Okay, Michelle. You're, you're muted. You're muted. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so I'm a recovering people pleaser. So I think there's the one statement that always runs through my head that we can all be reminded of is just a simple one-liner. It's what other people think about you is none of your business. Yes. Nice. Yes, yes, yes. Short and to the point. Leonard. <clears throat> Excuse me. So uh, in the words of the late, great Michael Jackson, you know, I'm looking at the man in the mirror. Uh, one of the amazing things about starting your own business is because it's just you, you don't have anyone to blame when anything goes wrong. <laughs> so it's it's all you and yourself. And you just have to be comfortable knowing that it's a growing process. And so the only person that can really uh, judge what direction you're going in, if you're doing it right or wrong, or if you need to quit, it's, it's just you. So just get over yourself and understand that when you make a decision, like you're, you're making multiple decisions at once. Like if you make a decision, I'm going to marry this person. The other decision is I'm not going to mess with these other people anymore. And so make a decision to go forward in the thing that you're trying to accomplish and just do what it takes to get there. Understanding that you're the only one that's actually standing in the way. Love it. Sabrina. So I would say gratitude, be grateful. You have to be grateful for the person that you were in order to have realized you don't want that anymore. Be grateful for those challenges. Be grateful for those people that hurt you or the circumstances in which you were born. Be grateful because if it were not for your parents that perhaps treated you unkindly or the friends that betrayed you or whatever situation you found yourself in, 
you would not be where you are today wanting more. You would not be where you are today knowing that you deserve a better life. So gratitude for all of the backstory of your lives and all of the shit basically that you've lived with is what is compelling you and what is creating that why within you. So focus on the why, focus on being grateful, and then just choose to move forward and everything will fall into place if you work hard and want it badly enough. And just do it. Do it now and do it now and do it now. Thank Love you. It. Love it, Sabrina. Thank you. Dawn. Oh, well, to tag on to what everybody else was saying, what Sabrina was saying, you know, gratitude is wonderful. Um, we need to remember that the box that society tells us we're supposed to live in is not the only way to do things. And, you know, find your way, find your purpose, find the things that bring your, your heart, set your heart on fire and make you happy and you just know that there's good in it for others do those things no matter what anybody says or what anybody thinks because people are going to think you're crazy but you know they're going to be doing that whether you're doing something crazy or you're doing something normal so do, do what makes you happy yeah see people are going to think you're crazy until you do it that that's how that boils down <laughs> i have two things one thing is is that there's a saying that everybody wants to change the world but nobody wants to change the toilet paper roll Ever notice that? <laughs> so, <laughs> do start with yourself and start with the small things. But more importantly, I don't know if you can see this. I just made it up. You see that? Oh, uh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> no victim. Live in a no victim zone. Stop being a victim and take responsibility for yourself. Like Sabrina said, said earlier, if you don't take responsibility for yourself, you're not going to end up doing anything with your life as far as changing it or changing anything else for that matter. All you're going to do is bitch. And here's what I'm going to tell you. Bitching is not a solution. It never has been, never will be. So quit bitching, quit being a victim, take responsibility and change your life. And, and you'll watch and you'll watch miracles happen when you take that kind of mindset. Absolutely. All right. So I'm going to bring it home. And so I want to start with uh, focus on whatever it is that you want. Now, not how you think it should look. What do you want? I was going to share a quick, a quick story. So I was working with, with a woman. She's one of my former clients. She said she wants, it was always her dream to open up a nightclub. She wanted to be African themed and like have different themes from the different countries showing the African culture. And so as, so as we're going through it, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing my thing, just talking to her, taking notes, writing everything down. Now, I spent 20 years in the restaurant industry. I've been on opening teams, opening restaurants, so I know exactly what goes into opening one of these things. So as I'm listening to her, I'm like, I don't think she's ever worked in a restaurant, a bar, or a nightclub before. And so I start asking her, her questions. And so now I told you she was one of my former clients. So I know she's into fitness. And so one big thing she was saying, she wanted you know, her, her nightclub obviously to have a big dance floor. And so as I started going into what it entails to open up a restaurant slash nightclub, you know, her eyes kind of got big. I said, so why don't we do this? I said, why don't we talk about you starting a fitness program centered around dance with African themes? Like, how about that? And then she just lit up like, wow, 
I was just completely mind blown. I said, so you're still getting what you want. We're just going to make it look different. Because this way, it's a lot more manageable. It's a lot more cost effective. And a kid's hijacking my speech. <laughs> I'm, just <kidding. laughs> I'm just kidding. Hi. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's more cost effective. And this is something that you can easily execute. I said, you open up a bar, you're going to go about a million dollars in debt right, right out of the gate. And then you're going to be fighting to build that build that up. Whereas this, you can start this in a park for free and, and build up a clientele and then make it look better along the way. Kind of the same way I was saying with the podcast. It started on my Android. I, I, didn't, I didn't have any any fanciness. And But once since I started that, I was like, well, I want to get featured in the media. Well, how, how do I get featured in the media? So I joined the, joined the media mastermind. And since then, I've been on international TV five times, national TV twice, been on local t- TV countless times and in over 200 publications and just all from just figuring, figuring out, all right, what do I need? Who do I need to get in front of to move, to, to move forward? And too many times when people are in struggle, they find other people who are struggling. Two people struggling aren't getting anywhere. You got to find someone that got through what you're going through and you want to latch on to that person. Like if you want, if you want to be, a, a business coach latch on to Michelle. This is what she's doing. She's already been there. She's already worked out all the bugs. She knows what she's doing. If you're someone who's been on the, the other side of the law and you keep getting in your own way, you want to reach out to Nate. He's been there. He's been inside the jail cell. He's stolen that car. He's done it. And he, he hit that rock bottom and he got through it. You know, you want Leonard trying to go into a business with his, with his, his best friend. And his best friend suddenly passes and then his whole world changes, but he still has to pick up the pieces and move forward. So if you, if you lost a loved one and you don't know how to move forward, reach out. And plus he calls himself the the income savant. You know what I mean? Why would you not want to hook up with him? You know, if, if, if you, you want to go on, on missions trips and you want to help, help the less fortunate and you want to highlight these just wonderful stories or wonderful things that's going on in the world, you got Dawn. You know, you got Sabrina who just, just your your whole scope is just just amazing with everything that that you broke down. But the biggest thing you were saying and how Kurt ended his is, but you gotta let go of the victim mentality. You no, know, if you're someone just like you were saying about being stuck in that that abusive relationship, like if you're stuck in something, because believe it or not, your abusive relationship could be your job. Like it doesn't always have to be an actual relationship. And like if you're going to work every day and it's causing you stress and it's causing you unhappiness and you dread going in, that is also an abusive relationship. So reach out to someone who has those skills to get you through it. And then with Kurt, loving yourself. If you're someone that's beating yourself up, if you're living a life under a mask and you want to know how to get that mask off, that's the person you reach. And that's why I grouped the six of them together. Because even though at the end of the day, we're kind of saying the same-ish things, we're all coming at it from different angles. And that's what's beauty about being alive and interacting with other human beings is that we can take, we can just say the word vacation. And I guarantee if we un- unmute all of you, you, you all would have a different idea of what vacation means. But at, but at the end of the day, you're entitled to live life the way you want to live it. So my biggest takeaway is I'm saying, if you're that person that's stuck in that box, there's somebody on this planet of 7 billion that's been through what you're going through. So you're not alone. You don't have to be alone. Reach out and someone would love to help you. 
So to my panelists, thank you very much for taking the time. You guys are, are the first group, so of course I'll never forget you. You know, uh, the second group is going to be on on the 30th, okay, 10.30 on Saturday. And I haven't fully picked that theme yet, so I'm not going to say what it is. <laughs> but, but again, thank you all for joining and have a great day. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> thank you.